Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, hey, it's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday morning, the 14th of July. Um, I feel I feel compelled to start because it's Friday morning with the Friday Farm Report. So, yes, thank you to all of you who have been uh, encouraging me in relationship to my garden. My garden is growing nicely. I am going to need some uh, additional ways to hide zucchini in dishes. So... I have uh, I have hidden zucchini uh, in in the traditional places like bread and lasagna, um, which if you're not familiar with how you make a layer of quote unquote zucchini noodles, like right, they're not actually noodles. They don't turn into noodles for those of you who are wondering and are not actual cooks, um, but they disguise themselves nicely in lasagna as a layer of noodles. And so if you need instruction on that, I can uh, I can help you out there. Um do you have other ways I can hide zucchini? I've hidden it in soup. Um, let me know. Let me know if you got uh, some zucchini hiding ideas out there because we do have a bumper crop of both summer squash and zucchini. Uh, yeah, my tomatoes are great. We have so many green tomatoes on the vine, and then we got a ton of ton of rain. So I have no idea if they're going to split before they turn red, but there you go. These would be my garden prayer concerns. I always appreciate, uh, you know, your concern for that. Um uh, on the on the chicken coop front, Big Red, oh no, we don't have Big Red anymore, he's dead. Big Yellow, our rooster, is currently in solitary confinement. I don't actually know what happened, but whenever there's lots of feathers in the coop and there's no actual predator, it's definitely the rooster's fault. And so um, Big Yellow, if you're, you know, he's in solitary confinement, he's over there in the little coop. And for those of you who have been wondering, is Cinnamini already in the orchard protecting the fruit from the squirrels? Yes, but only on a part-time basis because, you know, she's not very old. She's, a, she's still a little puppy, um, and, uh, but she loves her job, and she's totally excited to be out there running around with Pepper. Pepper doesn't seem to have any idea why they're in the orchard or what they're doing, but Cinnamini is on the job. So we um, hopefully will have an actual fruit harvest this year. We've got a ton of fruit on the vine and on the trees, but last year we lost it all to the squirrels. So hopefully the dog patrol will take care of that. More on that in the weeks and months to come on the Friday Farm Report. Um, All right. So Adam Holtz is going to join us from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Uh, I can tell you this. Angel Studios movie, The Sound of Freedom, which you guys have been now texting me about for like two or three weeks. When are you going to talk about The Sound of Freedom? When are you going to talk about The Sound of Freedom? Okay, we're going to talk about The Sound of Freedom right now, next, with Adam Holtz. Here's um, kind of extraordinary. This, I think this is kind of extraordinary. Um, if you're not familiar with the film, it is based on the real life story of a former federal law enforcement agent. Uh, he's on a mission to save children from human trafficking. Uh, Sound of Freedom has passed $50 million in the box office as of Wednesday. Uh, it came in second only to the, the you know, 
franchise, uh, the Mission Impossible franchise film that also released this week. So audiences are loving it. It has a 100% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It also has an A-plus rating from audiences on CinemaScore. And you guys have loved it. You guys have been pounding me um, on, on the text line lately in relationship to when are we going to talk about The Sound of Freedom and let people know how uh, what a good film it is and how edifying and affirming. Well, we're going to talk about it next with Adam Holtz. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning again. I have a live studio audience today. How fun is that? Could we hear something from the live studio audience? It's a small audience, but they're very enthusiastic. So um, thank you so much. And Adam Holtz is here with us as well. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you today? I'm great. Do you have a live studio audience where you are? Uh, No, my dog's upstairs. (laughs) Nobody Um, else is up yet. I know it's uh, right, right? Okay, so um, you're in Colorado Springs. You have a you have a new you have a new mayor. Do you know him? Yes, I do. Can, can, Yummy Mobile. Can we start? Yeah, can we start by talking about him? Because I just read sure. about him in Christianity <clears throat> Today, and I thought that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yummy is an amazing person. Uh, he actually worked at our church, First Presbyterian Church of Colorado Springs, and I don't name check our church very often. Uh, and my wife was his supervisor for a year. So this story is not about me. I, I share that only to say um, Yemi and his wife, Abby, and their family are are pretty good friends. And it has been really amazing to see a person uh, of strong uh, and vocal faith step into the political arena, <clears throat> and Yemi is a uh, an entrepreneur. He's a small business owner here in Colorado Springs, and I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent him. I would say he has worked hard to sort of, I guess, sidestep might be the right word, labels of liberal or conservative. Uh, he, he really is someone who desires to to let his faith do the talking and. So he's taken criticism from some maybe toward the right for maybe not being in lockstep completely with, you know, the the typical conservative agenda. But uh, he's coming from a place that's deeply informed by his faith. And I found it refreshing that he has, you know, repeatedly said it's not about conservative or liberal. It's about, you know, the individual policies. It's about our relationships with each other. He was instrumental in helping to launch an initiative here in Colorado Springs called COS, C-O-S, which is short for Colorado Springs. I love you. So uh, each year, this organization, which is comprised of a number of churches and nonprofits around town, looks for ways to serve the city itself. And I think it's not a stretch to say this organization has been a transformative influence. Uh, and Yemi had a, a huge role in the early formation of that. So I think it's a, it's an interesting example of a person of faith stepping into the public arena, uh, but maybe not doing so from the traditional uh, politically conservative or politically liberal point of view. Um I had difficulty loading the article from Christianity Today this morning, so I haven't actually seen it. Uh, it was written by a coworker of mine, so that's kind of fun too. Lots of connections to this story, uh, but I would commend it to you if you're able to get to it. 
Okay, so he's super fascinating, and I'm hoping that you can connect us with him because I think okay. he is. I, I think that people would love getting um, getting to know him. Uh, I love this idea of these meeting houses that um, you know that he's developed in places across the city. I love this collaborative yeah. effort that he's done yep. with a hundred area churches under the common mission of serving your city. Like that's yep. and he looks in his picture like he's super young. Yeah, he. I don't know how old he is. He he's probably between thirty five and forty, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, but he's so, just he's a dynamic leader, and and he's an incredibly charismatic person. So it, it's been really, it's been oddly wonderful to have somebody that you know you know really well suddenly step into public life. All right, teach us how to say his last name. Mobilade. Mobilade. Yeah. All right, so you guys be uh, be Mobilade. praying for Yemi. Be praying for Yemi. Mobilade. Uh, he is now the mayor of Colorado Springs, sworn in just a month ago. Um, uh, he's the first black man and the first immigrant to be elected mayor of Colorado Springs and one of the youngest ever. So I'm reading that off of a coloradosprings.gov uh, page. So be uh, put put Yemi Mobilade on your on your prayer list in the city of Colorado Springs. That is an exciting development. Um, all right, Adam, um, we want to talk about the sound of freedom. Um, yes. And but but you and I want to talk about it for more than 35 seconds. And so let's yep. get our break in now. And then when we come back. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is going to, I feel confident, celebrate with us the sound of freedom. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is here with us. Adam, read us in on Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is a new movie that was released by Angel Studios. Uh, interesting note before I even get too far, it was originally going to be released by 20th Century Fox. It's been done since 2018, but then Disney bought Fox and they did not want to release it. And so they uh, auctioned it off and uh, actually, I don't know if there was an auction. They they let go of the rights to it, and Angel Studios um, picked up the rights to it. This is a movie that stars Jim Caviezel as we Tim pause, Ballard. We, we, we should pause there and ask ourselves, yeah. why Why do you think, I mean, this would be speculative, but you know, why wouldn't Disney want to release a film about anti-child trafficking? Like, why would they have shelved this project? That it was done. I mean, it was done. It the was movie done. was done it's in 2018, and they stuck it on a shelf. Excellent question. I don't have an answer. I certainly could speculate that mm -hmm. they but weren't we interested we'll just, in. We'll just okay. celebrate Angel Studios. Well, well, uh, having bought the yeah, rights. we'll stop there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the story is about a man named Tim Ballard, who now runs an organization called Operation Underground Railroad, which uh, really seeks to deliver children from sexual trafficking. Um, and this is, I guess, kind of an origin story. He worked for the Department of Homeland Security 
uh, as an agent there, and he really was responsible for focusing on tracking down and arresting pedophiles on this side of things in America. And he uh, he ends up in a, a sting operation and arrests a man who is trafficking a four-year-old boy from Honduras named Miguel. He finds out that Miguel has a sister named Rocio, who is somewhere in South America, probably in Colombia. He talks his supervisor into giving him $10,000 to go set up a sting operation in Colombia. Uh, it gets more complicated than that. His boss basically says, yeah, can't go any farther. So he quits his job, uh, uses his own money, and goes after this girl eventually uh, posing as a medical professional to go deep into the heart of the Colombian mountain jungle uh, to save this little girl who is in the clutches of uh, a drug lord there. This is an incredible story. Um, and it's one that I think is inspiring. It demonstrates the difference one person can make. Um, Jim Caviezel is incredible. I had a chance to interview him. You can catch that interview at thepluggedinshow.com. It was a couple of weeks ago. So just scroll through our previous shows till you find it. Um, it's also a movie. It's, as you said, it's made $50 million, which for a small independent faith-based movie is staggering. I mean, it, it's a huge huge number this thing has blown up and it's blown up in part because there's been a lot of controversy around it because many on the political left have been really really critical of it they've said tim ballard's story is exaggerated they've said that there are claims about sexual trafficking that aren't true uh there's been a lot of criticism of the movie that frankly has felt uh telling to me uh, it's like mm-hmm. this is not meant to be a political movie this is a movie about rescuing children from becoming sexual slaves. And, you know, we know when Hollywood makes a movie, there may be embellishments to the story, but the core story here is true, even if there are elements that may be a bit exaggerated. And I don't mean to excuse that, but that's just part and parcel of translating any story to the big screen. So I find the criticisms really hollow. And and I'm just like, why why can't the left get behind a story about rescuing children from sexual slavery. It, it saddens me. And there have been all sorts of accusations that it's QAnon adjacent and it's a conspiracy theory. I'm like, oh, you know, to use a lovely Iowa word, I'm going to go with hogwash as my final answer in response to that criticism. <laughs> all right. Um, so we want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, Sound of Freedom is um, one of those films um, that we commend to you. Um, Adam, let's talk about who the the appropriate audience, because my guess is there are things in this movie that um, are pretty sensitive. Yeah, I mean, this is not a movie for small children. It's PG-13 movie. There's nothing explicit here. Uh, And in some ways, it's kind of like the old Hitchcock movie or Jaws or Alien or movies where you know there's a danger lurking out there that you don't quite see. Uh, In some ways, that's more disturbing than if they'd actually, you know, depicted it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a scene where a man closes a hotel room curtain and there's a little boy in his room. And it's mm. it's gut wrenching, Carmen. This is a mm. devastating movie emotionally uh, because of what's suggested. There's also a fair bit of language. There is one character who smokes cigars almost continually. There is some violence. Uh, so this is not a movie for young children. But I think for, you know, for mature tweens and teens on up. 
there's a conversation to be had here really about the dignity and the value of human life and what we can do locally. You know, most of us aren't going to go to Columbia, but what I love about this movie is it shows how one person made a difference and we can think about how we can do that in our communities too. Yeah, and if you're looking for um, right some resources out there on this topic, um, one of one of the global organizations that I appreciate is International Justice Mission. So you can check them yes. out at ijm.org. Um, can I ask you if have you seen this Derek Webb "Boys Will Be Girls"? Um, I haven't. Okay, I haven't seen it. I read the article that uh, that you guys sent me this morning to take a look at. Um, but I think it's the latest example of someone who uh, he was in Cademan call, Cademan's call, high profile Christians who are, you know, or former Christians. I'm not sure what his status is these days, uh, dealing with the issue of LGBT, um, well, dealing with that, dealing with the trans conversation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of that lately, but, uh, what, what was your thought on it? How should we talk about it? Well, I think um, I, I think part of it's just awareness. Like, right? If I, you know, if, if I love the music of Cademan's Call, and I maybe was even, you know, recently celebrating with them this 25th anniversary re-release of some of their music, and then I'm like, oh, well, Derek Webb, you know, like he's a Cademan's Call guy. Okay, he's not. Like you, you watch this and or listen to this, and um, I, you know, I, I'll just tell folks. I mean, here's the language: boys will be girls, um, and. and it's um it's disturbing it's um i think it's confusing i think it breeds confusion i think it's intended to do so um it features a uh a drag artist who goes by uh goes by the name flamey grant which i just i just think there's just unnecessary provocation um yes and and yet i think that as christians like th- it's not even hard to be discerning in this particular case maybe that's my Maybe that's my judgment here, Adam, is that um, we've reached the place where, uh, you know, in the words of Jeremiah, like they've completely forgotten how to blush. Like there's not even any attempt to hide the heresy. Well, and, and, and I think the thing that we have to talk about, I think this is how we frame this conversation, is that when Jesus was brought the woman caught in adultery, what does he say? He's, you know, he challenges the Pharisees and the scribes and says, you know, the first of you, any of you who is without sin, you know, cast the first stone. And they all, older to younger, drop their stones and sulk off. And Jesus says, where are your condemners? Where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. That's grace, right? We know that Jesus came Amen. in grace and truth. There is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is an offer of forgiveness and love grace what's the next thing he says go and leave your life of sin exactly that's truth and what we get here i think is an impulse toward grace we want Mm. so much to affirm and to love and to accept those who have a lifestyle that is at odds with a an orthodox biblical understanding of sexuality But the truth is nowhere to be seen. And so what we get is a distorted version of grace that actually affirms locking people into something that's not true. Uh, It's not true that the LGBT and trans conversation 
is not reflective of how God designed our sexuality to reflect his image created male and female, right? And so we have to be able to have that conversation about what's the foundation of sexuality as God designed it. Um, And that's the only way to combat, I think, the distortion of grace that we see here. Uh, And it's everywhere. And man, there are evangelicals, there are Christians who are falling for it left and right, um, and, and maybe more left than right. But <laughs> uh, but that that's that's my response to that, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helpful. Thank you, thank you, Adam. All right. Um, there's all kinds of great reviews, articles, resources, podcast at pluggedin.com. If you haven't visited lately, one of the reasons to go is to check out the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 review. I commend that to you if you're thinking about um, checking that movie out. Also, when uh, when you scroll down, um, you'll see that the, the blog is there as well as um, videos and uh, and the podcast. And so I want you to, uh, to check out what Adam is up to in terms of those things as well. Um, if you're looking for reviews of books and games and YouTube and all kinds, uh, all kinds of great stuff at pluggedin.com. We don't, we don't often scroll down the page through everything that's available. So every once in a while, Adam, I just want to remind people of everything yeah, that's there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. All right, we're going to take a moment to uh, to hear Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. What are you dwelling on? What does it mean to dwell? Who are you dwelling in? How how at home are you with God? It's a good uh, it's a good way to think about it. Are you at home with God? Can you just rest with him and dwell on things around you um, in relationship to him. Sandra Bird um, is really well known to many of us as an author, and she has a devotional, 90 Days at Home with God, called Dwell. Next up is going to be my conversation with Sandra Bird. Let's dwell for a minute on being at home with God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Really fun to have Sandra Bird joining us today. The book is Dwell, 90 Days at Home with God. Sandra, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. So I want to start with this question. When I say the word home, where does your heart go? You know, the heart is the thing, isn't it? We've got a lot of emotional connections to the word home, childhood home, uh, grandma's home, mom's home, forever home. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on that in this book. Home is really the place where our heart is, as the, mm-hmm. as the proverbial phrase goes. So my, uh, my, my heart goes to uh, Indiana, even though I only lived there until I was six, but it's still like it's knit in there in a very, very uh-huh. deep place. I mean, I can smell new mown hay. I can, uh-huh. you know, I can see the circle driveway and, um, you know, and I can, I can still feel what it felt like to, to live there. Um, talk with us about um, the difference between a devotional and a Bible study, because one of the things I want people to know um, is the nature of the book, because obviously we spend more than 90 days at home dwelling with God, but the 90 days is what you're setting before us in this particular volume. 
Yes, that's right. So a devotional and a Bible study both have scripture as their undergirding, but they they approach it a little bit differently. So a Bible study goes to the word and it kind of exegetes the passage. What's in there? Let's dig out phrase by phrase or verse by verse, verse what's in there and then figure out how to apply it. A devotional is kind of like one of the parables. It looks at the world around us and says, here's where you live. Here's, here's what we're learning. God is present here. And then you go back to the scripture to find that undergirding scripture that um, kind of anchors the 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 lesson, the view, the understanding that we've uh, gleaned from God. So yes to scripture, one goes to scripture first and applies it outward. One looks at the outward world that we live in now and then brings it back to scripture. I love how um, you include so much beautiful photography um, in uh, in this book, um, in this study in this conversation, in this invitational dwelling that you're inviting us into. So I want you to talk a little bit about um, engaging with all of our senses. And then I certainly want to talk with you about the taste and see component of, um, of engaging. Yes, definitely. So we are sensory creatures. We live by the five or six or seven senses, depending on uh, who you're talking to. Just like you were talking about Indiana, you've got that fresh mown grass smell mm. that brings you back. So all of our senses are there. When we when we look at those pictures, it anchors us in our kitchen, or our grandmother's kitchen um, in the books or the dog that we may have, a new puppy or the dog that we've had that's older when we see those things. So the smells bring us back. Uh, the sound of a voice brings us back or a song brings us back, uh, the smell of someone's perfume. So we want to engage uh, with our lives in using all of those five senses. And we do that, but we don't often think to do that with God. I think that when um, when I see a picture, when I'm experiencing something, not just in in words on a page, you know, in black and white, but when I'm looking at a basket of fresh picked berries or when I'm even looking at... Um, you know, a, a, a flower branch that has turned brown in, you know, in an, un, in an unwatered vase. Um, uh, when I'm looking at the steam rising out of a fresh cup of coffee, something is happening there that's more than just going on in my mind. Um, or maybe it's still going on in my mind, but it's happening at a contemplative level. Um, can you just help us unpack that a little bit? Because I do want to invite people who are drawn toward Bible study, which I love and appreciate, but who maybe have resisted allowing themselves being drawn into devotional reflection, which is a different experience. It is a different experience. Like the parables, it is more story-based. They are story-based, but that's because they are uh, developed to connect with you where you are when you close the book, when you get in the mm. carpool line, when you uh, cook dinner, when when you do those things. So it's to it's to bring God into the present. One of my foundational scriptures for this is in Deuteronomy, which talks about impress them on your children, meaning God's laws and tenets and ways. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you got up, get up. So the idea is to bring him into every situation um, and a lot of 
our situations happen at home or with our family. I, for example, only drink jasmine tea when I'm doing my devotionals. It's very fragrant. It's got a very specific flavor to it. It kind of ushers me into the presence of the Lord in a way that maybe incense would have or something in the in the um, scriptures so that I am I am setting my time and myself apart for a sensory experience with him. I think those pictures also usher us into the field where you picked strawberries or the strawberry shortcake that you made for your children or your friends, uh, the cookies that you might deliver to your neighbors or that were delivered to you. So the the story-based nature of devotionals are, are meant to connect with us um, in our everyday life to kind of summon those memories and then help us to make new ones. We're talking with Sandra Bird. Um, you probably know her quite well. She's published more than 50 books. Um, and we're talking today specifically about uh, the new edition. And it's Dwell, 90 Days at Home with God. It is um, it is devotional and it is a devotional. Um, and we want to... Um, I want to dig around in it a little bit. So when we come back from a brief break, would you share one of them with us? I'm thinking maybe um, would anyone guess a Christian lives here, which is day 71. Could we do that when we come back? Sure. Fantastic. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. More next with Sandra Bird. Did you know that whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going through, the suffering, the challenges, the questions you have, God has something to say to you about all of it? We have an ongoing Reading Through the Bible Together series at MyFaithRadio.com, and we're exploring what God says about suffering, truth, and godliness. We're reading the book of 2 Timothy together. Did you know that God has given not a spirit of fear, but that God has given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind? I mean, how cool is that? It's in 2 Timothy that God's Word says of itself, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that every person um, might be complete and equipped for every good work. So I'm wondering, would you join us in reading the Bible together at MyFaithRadio.com that you might be equipped through God's word for the good works that he's prepared in advance just for you, and that you might discover that God is with you right now in whatever you're experiencing? the suffering, the challenges, the questions. God's got something to say about all of it. Join us at MyFaithRadio.com in reading the Bible together. Continuing our conversation now with Sandra Bird. Um, Sandra, let's pick up where, um, where we left off. Take us to day 71. Would anyone guess a Christian lives here? Yeah, one of the ways that... Uh you know, I, I feel like metaphors are the way that the Lord shares his insights with me. Each of us has mm-hmm. what I might call a God language. My son, who's an engineer, says his is math. I said, well, I hope not because I don't know who I've been talking to for all these years. But the the way that the Lord speaks with me is, is in metaphors. And those are all the ones that have ended up in dwell. So let me uh, pull up here day 71 of my 90 days and talk about Um, would anyone understand that a Christian lives here? So one afternoon, my husband and I were looking around our house. We're looking for light bulbs and smoke detector batteries that need to be replaced. And I really like French decor. So I have a 
Marie Antoinette uh, nightlight in my bathroom and I've got powder black and pink granite and he was grousing he said to me hey, would, would anyone even know that a man lives here you know you look around you see all this girly <laughs> stuff and I told him you've got a man cage you've got a garage you've got a you've got a lawn but he was making a point that even though we don't judge by appearances or the quote-unquote book by its cover we do get a sense of people by the environs um that they live in, how they've set up their house. And so one of the things that we want to look at is how do we present ourselves? What does our house and our home share about us? The things that we do, what kind of movies do we have? What kind of books are in our homes? Um, do I have plenty of money to entertain people and throw parties, but never enough when it comes time for a charity? So we're not meaning to be legalistic in this. I'm not going in anybody else's house and picking them apart. But when I walk in their house and I see that it's decorated in, for example, um, um, you know, like a country style, I understand a little bit about them. So one of the things that uh, we can do by showing that we enjoy freedom in Christ, we can show them that uh, I can like French country, I can like different things in my in my home, in my life, I might have certain reading materials, I like historicals, for example, and you might like something different. But we must always be aware that people are looking at us, we're the walking testimony for the Lord. And when they see in our lives and our homes, are there are Bibles about? Um, are there scriptures? plaques on our walls? Do we show other people the things that we want to be constantly recalled to mind? And maybe not uh, in a legalistic sense, but just in an audit. What kind, of, what kind of walking testimony are we and what kind of testimony does our home present? Yeah. And even like, what does it smell like, right? Fresh baked bread. I find <laughs> That's so it. Totally yeah. compelling. So let's, uh, let's go in the foodie direction just for a minute. Um, you, you confess that you're a foodie. Um, what are some ways that taste can bring us closer to Jesus and maybe how we can use the, ta- excuse me, the taste and see to, um, you know, to help people see him? Yeah, you know, one of the best examples I have right now is my 18-month-old granddaughter. So she's been mm-hmm. learning to eat re- real food for a little while. And how she decides if she's going to eat it or not is she takes her tiny little pinky and dips it in whatever is offered and then puts it in her mouth. And if she decides, yes, this passes the test, um, you know, so maybe cheese, yes, avocado, no, then she's willing, she's willing to eat it. But I, I, I encourage people to do that kind of um, with the Lord if they're, if they're new to the faith or if they're sharing their faith with somebody else, it's okay to just taste and see that he's good. Mm. Trust him with one thing. Um, Share one one thing with a friend, or if you've been burned by a church, for example, uh, go back to something else. Try try something new. Give it a taste. You don't have to jump in with both feet. Find a place that tastes good because God is good. And wherever you dip your pinky finger in, that's, that's a good place. Uh, you know, then you can learn to take more and more. You can eat the whole bowl of macaroni and cheese once you figure out that it tastes good. And I think that's true with us when we're giving something over to the Lord. Lord, do I trust you with my child? Lord, do I trust you with my job? Lord, do I trust you? I'm just going to give this one thing over to you. I'm just going to yield this one thing. I'm going to taste how you um, deal with me and my situation. And when I see how good you taste and how well you care for me, then uh, I'm, I'm ready to go for the whole bowl. So when I read that um, and I thought about that, uh, I I recalled this experience that my husband and I had once. I can't even tell you the name of the restaurant. It would, it, and even if I tried to come up with it, it probably wouldn't be exactly right. So I'll just tell you part of the story. Yeah. Um, they had a very extensive menu and it was an expensive restaurant. And so we we ordered and then our server said, 
Is there anything on the menu that when you guys were talking about what you were going to order, you said to yourselves, we'd just like to taste that? And we kind of laughed and chuckled and we both said, yes, I would like, I would have loved to have been able to taste whatever it was. And, and my husband Jim said, you know, something else. And they brought us as their amuse bouche, the complimentary appetizer. They brought us a taste of the dish that mm-hmm. we didn't order. And I thought, that's so gracious. Like that is, that is hospitality. Like I want to remember that. I want to put that away. I want to offer people that complimentary appetizer, even if they're not ready to order the whole thing. Yeah. It reminds me of a friend of mine who's from the South. And she told me that a tradition there is that when somebody is sick, you always bring them soup. I mean, Mm -hmm. we might do that. I'm I'm from the North too, but what she's doing is she's saying, taste this. You don't feel good. Try this. It's delicious. I'm bringing this to you as a gift. That's a much stronger testimony when someone is sick than showing up and, you know, kind of lecturing them or whatever. But later when they come back and they ask, Hey, where do you get this from? Where do you get this hope from? Why did you reach out to me? Then you've given them that amuse-bouche as it were. This is, this flows from the love that Christ flows through me. And, you know, I do this because he's gracious to me and I want to share that and be gracious with other people. But that amuse-bouche is usually an act and the taste of the soup and the smell of the soup and the warmth of the soup and the generosity of that. That's the taste of God that we want to give people first out of the gate. It's so good. Um, Sandra, Ecclesiastes 3.1 is something that you discuss and dwell. Talk with us about Uh, For everything, there is a season, every activity under heaven. When you talk about the seasons of life, um, you're, you're talking about spiritual seasons as well. Can you take us into that? Yeah, spiritual seasons and maybe emotional seasons. You know, when we're at home and we're gardening, we see it's spring, it's time to plant. We see it's summer, it's time to um, water and enjoy. We put our gardens away in the fall and then it's dormant in the winter. And one day I just uh, had maybe a spirit-led epiphany about that, that I needed to start to think about that in my, my spiritual and my physical life. Where I get stuck is when I think it's always going to be winter. I have a dry Mm. season and I think it's never going to go on or we're undergoing a challenge or a test or just a hard time and it's winter and I think it's never going to be over. But scripture does tell us that spring follows winter. It comes around. And then the equal test for me is when I think summer's going to last forever. Hooray, we have no problems. There's no challenges. (laughs) You know, the money is rolling in in barrels and everybody's healthy and this is going to last forever. And of course it doesn't. Fall is going to come around and there are going to be some challenges, but God is with us in every one of those. And I think that if we start to look for spiritual seasons, emotional seasons, financial seasons, any kind of um, you know, relationship that you put on is going to go through those seasons, but he's always with us. There's that phrase that says, all my frustrations are due to unmet expectations. So once we start expecting that seasons will come and go, and then they will come around again. I think a lot of our faith challenges disappear and he's, he's with us in everyone. He's growing us in dormant seasons, even when we can't see it. Okay. You are a collector. Um, you collect vintage glass and serving items like like serving trays and pitchers? Yeah. <laughs> it's part of that. Kind of it's fun. It is. It's kind of that foodie thing. Somebody was asking me, okay, what's a foodie? Is it just somebody that likes to eat a lot? And I'm like, well, yes, but I mean, you like all parts of it. The presentation, what it looks mm-hmm. like, taking pic- taking pictures, whether you share them with anybody or not, uh, the smell, the history of it. Is this, for example, if I collect a Depression-era 
glass. So I have one that's got uh, a depression era glass that's for deviled eggs. And then that's mm. what I bring out every uh, Easter. But eggs were eggs were uh, something that was available to people in the depression era because there were a lot of farms when there wasn't a lot of other things around. So I'm bringing the history into that as well as um, just making them look pretty and taste good. So I do have a lot of different cake plates. When we moved last time, my girlfriend was helping me pack. She's like, really, you need six bunt pans? I'm like, well, I kind of do. She's <laughs> like, all right, put them in the box, you know, whatever. But, um, but it does go with that holistic view. What does this look like? What's the history of this food? Is it plated with that history? Does it taste good? And it just, in a kind of throwaway disposable society, it helps us to sit down and enjoy the entire experience. Uh, yeah. So my mom is, I mean, I don't know that she knows that that's why she collects these things, but my, I, I'm now going to like honor her by mm-hmm. using the knife rests and the salt cellars because I don't need knife rests or salt cellars on my table, but they, and they compel these stories that pour yeah. forth out of her when you trot those things out from the back of the cabinet. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for that yes. invitation as well. That's so yes. dear. It's so dear. Um, Sandra Bird is the author. Um, Sandra, best place for people to connect with you online, social media, all the places. Unlo- yep. Online with me is my website, sandrabird.com. I've got a couple of devos from this book up there. If you want to taste and see if it's good for you, you can, you can connect with them in there. And then there, all my uh, social media and buy links are there as well. Awesome. That is so great. Um, the book we've been talking about today is Dwell, 90 Days at Home with God. But um, Sandra is a prolific author, and so you might enjoy her historical fiction. Um, you might in, enjoy um, other things that she's written as well. This is a devotional guide for 90 days for you to just dwell with God, and it is, it's beautiful. Um, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right. So what's in the back of, uh, of your cupboard or your China cabinet that you're now thinking to yourself, I, I should totally set the table with that tonight. Um, I, I should, I should get that out. I should, um, I should put those knife rests and those salt cellars on the table. You're saying to yourself, I don't know what a knife rest is. I don't know what a salt cellar is. That's okay. You might have something that, it's, it's like it's like so precious that we, we never use that. We never use that set of plates. We never, or set of china. We never use that set of glasses because, you know, that belonged to great-great-grandma and we don't want to break it. Well, great-grandma would want you to use it. Like, what? It's just collecting dust. Let's use it today. Let's, um, today is cause for celebration. Today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation for someone. Like, today is someone's rebirth day. Um, and so use today as an opportunity to take out those precious things and allow Christ to be made known in the breaking of the bread. Set the table, set the table. How do you feel when you walk in and the table is set? There's actually a tablecloth or there are placemats. There's a centerpiece of some kind. None of this, by the way, has to be fancy and you don't need to buy anything in addition to what you already have. If you say to yourself, I don't have a tablecloth, I don't have any placemats, do you have some uh, big pieces of paper of any kind, construction paper, leftover wrapping paper works great, cut it the size of a placemat or use it, just roll it out and use it as a table runner. 
And, and you say to yourself, that sounds so silly. Well, why not do something that disrupts the regular rhythm and turns today into a day of celebration? And you say, well, it's, it's July the 14th. What's, uh, what's, uh, what's worth celebrating on July the 14th? Um, today is the day the Lord has made. Uh, today is, um, a day of, of goodness and grace. Uh, today is the day that the light is going to shine, uh, forth in, in the kingdom of this, in the kingdoms of this world from the very kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because you and I are going to go out there and we're going to be shiny. We're going to allow the light of Christ to so illuminate us and to shine through us that other people will experience the good works that God's prepared in advance for us to do. And they're going to turn aside from the regular rhythm of things just to see what's going on over there with that person. Why are they so joyful? And then we have an opportunity to share with them the source of our joy. It runs deep. It runs wide. Let's allow it to overflow today into one another's lives. Um, Hey, thanks for spending this time with me today. I count it an absolute blessing. Uh, I speak God's blessing over you now as you go forth into the world that God so loves to be his ambassador and an agent of his grace. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.